0: And uh, I was kind of struggling with it. But anyway, we got it on now, right? All right. And everything we've said up to now doesn't amount to anything anyway. And uh, But uh, when God calls you to preach, you want to preach, and sometimes you can't. But uh, anyway, uh, you pray that this morning we'll be able to do what God would have us to do. And I didn't realize till we got started on the Sunday school lesson that the Sunday school lesson was so close to the message. But we want to speak this morning on the subject of Uh, learning to believe God. And, uh, you know, if I went through the audience this morning and said, do you believe God? I know that the great majority would say, sure, I believe God. But then I wonder as we live our lives if we really do believe what God says. We're going to share with you this morning just one verse of Scripture if you'll stand. We'll be reading from the book of Mark, chapter 12. And uh, verse 17, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Father, we thank you today for your word. and God, we ask that you increase our faith, that we would be able to believe more surely upon what thus saith the book. Father, would you help us now that as we try to impart unto this congregation what you've given to us, that we might have clearness of mind and honesty of heart, and God, that we might be able to stand in heavenly places this morning in your presence. We ask in Christ's name, amen. I'm glad to be born in America, amen. God has given us the wonderful opportunity to be born in the land of plenty. Not only born in America, but born in the Bible Belt. And all of that is a much, uh, much blessing from the Lord. And uh, as we are raised to understand the Bible and to know there's a church on every corner almost, and in our homes we're told about the uh, sacredness of the Word, and yet I feel like that many times we do not take it as seriously as we ought to, And we do not fear the Lord as we ought to. And somebody says, you mean you're afraid of the Lord? Well, in a sense, I am. The same way I was afraid of my father when he was alive. I didn't care to go to him and ask for anything. I saw him open his billfold and offer me the last dollar he had in it. I didn't take it, but I I saw that happen. I knew he wanted to provide for me the best that he could. But if he told me to do something, I knew better not to do it. And that's the kind of fear we ought to have of God. We ought to know that he loves us and that he wants to provide for us and he wants to protect us, but we better listen to what he says. We better learn to believe. And he says here in this verse that we're to give to Caesar or to the government the things that belong to them, but we're to give unto him the things that belong to God. We ought to always remember that the commandments of God are above the commandments of our land. And as I think about our country, and I've talked about how blessed it is to be born in this nation of the free, but I'll tell you, it's an undebatable fact that our country's in a mess. And uh, not only is our country in a mess, our world's in a mess. And uh, we don't need to mention all the sins that plagues us because we know of them. Uh, we know of the uh, adultery and the fornication and the uh, homosexuality and, and uh, the uh, gambling and of the consumption of alcohol and on and on we could go. But it becomes more bold. If, if you read in the copy of the Sword of the Lord that we had last week, If you haven't, there's, I think, another copy or two back there. You ought to get it. If you read it in there, you'll find out that the wife and daughter of ex-President Bush came out for uh, uh, homosexual rights, equal rights. Of course, uh, Ms. Clinton's always been on that bandwagon. And those are very powerful individuals. Had... uh, It's a very serious thing when powerful leaders like that stand for ungodly things that is abomination in the sight of God. And I believe because of that, that the judgment of God's already started on this country. You can call me pessimistic if you want to, but I believe a serious-minded individual that has any reason at all can see God's already started judging us. I listen to the newscasters, sometimes the public servants. I hear the people on the street talk about the floods and the earthquakes and uh, the forest fires and the tornadoes and all those things that are coming. And they call them acts of God. And I agree. They are acts of God. But where the problem comes in, I think most people miss the seriousness of these acts. I've said dozens of times, I believe that when we as human beings stand before God, we're not going to answer so much for the things that we do or the things that we fail to do as we are for the reason we do those things or fail to do those things. I believe the same thing is true as we look at these quote, unquote, acts of God. Not so much of the seriousness that they cause us, and certainly that's paramount, but why is God sending them? Why is God permitting this to happen to our nation? And, uh, you know, somebody says, well, God is a God of love. And I'll agree with that. If he wasn't a God of love... If he didn't love any more than I love, if he wasn't any more long-suffering than I am, this creation of his called man had been wept out a long time ago. But God is a God of love. But he's also a God that hates sin. And I remember as I read the Bible about things that God had judged, I remember when Moses stood there against the Red Sea And this is a real happening. This is not a figment of somebody's imagination. Moses stood against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming down upon them to destroy the people of God. God rolled back the waters of the sea and the Bible says they went through on dry ground. But when the Egyptian army continued to pursue the people of God, The judgment waters of the Red Sea closed in on them. And every one of them was destroyed. (coughs) I remember the case of a man by the name of Cor. Cor stood up one day in the face of the man that God had called. Now there's a lot wrong with Moses, but there's one thing that's right with Moses. Moses was the man that God called. It's always been God's way of doing God speaks to an individual, and the individual speaks to the people. Oh, so Moses got a little uh, stirred up and said, I can't talk very well. And said, God, would you let my brother Aaron speak to the people? And God said, that's all right with me. Moses, I'll still talk to you. You talk to Aaron, and Aaron talk to the people. But God talked to Moses. And Moses was out there telling the people what God expected. And old Kor stood up and said, who do you think you are? I know just as much as you know. I've been fellowshipping with God just as long as you have. Who are you to tell me what to do? And the earth opened up, the Bible says, and swallowed Kor and all of his family and all that pertaineth unto him. In other words, it got him, it got his kinfolks, he got all the cattle and the donkeys and their uh, Camels and everything, the earth swallowed them up. The judgment of God. And all of us are familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that ungodly uh, group of cities that God sent far down from heaven and consumed every one of them. And I'm just saying this morning that if God doesn't judge America for her sins, he'll have to go back and apologize to Kor and to Sodom and Gomorrah and to the Egyptians that perished in the Red Sea. Because sin has to have a payday. And so the world that we live in today is going along. And many times people who wear the name Christian are caught up in this movement. We're going along just as they did in Noah's day. Living life as we've always lived it and ignoring the warnings of the impending wrath of God. You'll say, well, I agree with all of that. I believe that's true. But what am I going to do? Here I am, one little old man, without any talent, without any training, without any finance, without any fame. I don't have anything. What am I going to do? Years ago, I heard a little song. you'll excuse me, I've got a cough a little every once in a while. I heard a song and it said, you can brighten the little corner where you are. Now, we may not be able to change the world by ourselves, but what we can do is live right. And live right in the little corner of the world that God has dedicated to us. I can't make anybody else live right. But I can certainly put a lot of effort in living right myself. And I want to give you a clue this morning that if you're going to live according to the precepts of the Word of God, it takes effort. You can't float along with the current and live a life that pleases God. I've talked to those that have said, Well, you know, before I got saved, I had troubles. And unsaved people do have troubles. They said, but the problem is, after I got saved, I seem to have more trouble. And I don't disagree with that. That's normal. They said, well, if I'm going to have trouble before I get saved, and trouble after I get saved, what's the difference? (coughs) I'll tell you the difference. I'd rather wind up in heaven walking down a rough, rocky road barefooted than I had to wind up walking down through a air-conditioned path and wind up in hell. That's the difference. But I'll tell you there's another difference. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. You know, tornadoes are happening everywhere. I think it's just good sense to have a storm cellar. I don't have one. That lets you know where I stand. But I think it's good sense to have one. And uh, if a tornado comes, you've got a safe place to go. But i tell you what I have got. I've got a storm seller, spiritually speaking, when troubles come where I can go. And I always find safety there. Wasn't that song good this morning that they sang? Man, I, I have a place in the cleft of the rock where I, he hideth my soul. And I've got a place in the depths of his love where he hides my life. And when trouble comes, he covers me with the palm of his hand. Amen. That's my storm shelter, A.P. I tell you, as surely as I have it, you can have it. You'll say, well, how can I get it? How can I come to the place where I can claim the Lord Jesus Christ as my shelter? Well, I'm glad you asked. I wanted to tell you. That brings me to another subject I'd like to touch on just before we get there. That's the responsibility of the child of God that knows the Lord Jesus Christ and has him as a storm shelter in your life. The Bible says we're to proclaim the whole gospel of Christ, the whole gospel of God. Now let me go on record this morning so that you understand that there is absolutely nothing in this world More important than knowing that you have the salvation of God. There's nothing more important than that. And it ought to be preached. And hell ought to be preached. But I'll tell you, people need to know. Brother Rex got on this in Sunday school. People need to know that they're saved. That people need first to be saved and then know you're saved. You'll say, well, I'm saved. How can I know? By the word of God. I tell you, I get up a lot of mornings. I don't feel saved. That day I can go to the Word, and the Word says if I trusted Christ, He saved me. Amen. And I know I trusted Him, and I believe the Word. I've learned to believe God. Now I know not only that I'm saved this morning, but I know I'm going to be saved till the day of judgment. Not because I'm good, not because I'm a preacher, and not because I'm a Baptist, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did, and because of His promise in His Word. So we ought to know that, but that's not all the commission. And here's where we begin to falter. You know, I, I've heard churches talk about uh, how many I got saved. Well, that's wonderful. I've, I've read the sword for years, and they have churches in there get a thousand a year saved, a two thousand a year saved. And uh, sounds to me like, you know, maybe they're just putting notches on their belt. I mean, it's good to get people saved. I, you understand that. But I tell you, we don't need to go out and get professions just for the sake of saying we got somebody saved. There's more to the commission than that. God help us to understand, but well, once we get them saved, we need to get them in and get them baptized. I mean, in water. We don't spiritualize that. They need to get in that baptistry and get baptized. And that's important. It's not essential, but it's important. And then after that, get ready to say, oh me. After that, we ought to teach them. My dear friends, if all the teaching you get about God is what you get from this pulpit and what you get from the Sunday school class, if that's all you get, you'll starve to death, spiritually speaking. My dear friends, we ought to be able, when an individual first gets saved, we ought to do some personal face-to-face, one-on-one teaching of the things that God expects out of them. I don't mean dump everything on them at once. We're to grow them. And that's our responsibility. That's part of the commission. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. You go out and you get them saved, and then you get them baptized, and then you teach them. You'll say, well, what am I going to teach them? I've got them saved, and I've got them baptized. What am I going to teach them now? Of all the many things that we need to teach people, one thing we need to impress upon them, learn just to believe God. Yeah. Learn to believe what he says, and learn to live by it. <clears throat> we must remember there certainly is a judgment day coming. Now I want you to I want to share with you something that I found in the book of Luke, chapter 24 and verse 25. The Bible says, and he said, and this is Christ speaking, and he said unto them. Oh fools. Now I can't call anybody a fool, but God can't because he sees hearts. And I can quote what God says, Oh fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. He said it's foolish not to believe what God says. My dear friends, the responsibility of the preacher that stands in this pulpit, or the speaker, whether it be a Bible teacher or who, that stands in this pulpit, is to make sure before that we impart something to you, we've gotten it from God. This is not a place for my opinions, or what I've been told, or what I've heard. And so, uh, let us understand that we need to believe God. And I don't believe that every child of God, or every individual that's been saved, really believes that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account. But I'll tell you, even though we're saved, we're going through a judgment one day. And that judgment won't be to see whether we're saved and going to heaven or not. That's already settled. But we'll stand there and we'll give an account for how we lived our lives after they were saved. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Yeah, it's good to say that today. But what about tomorrow when you get out there on the street corner? You still going to believe that? Everything that you do, every place that you go, everything that you say is going to be recorded, and not only is God going to judge you for it, one day it'll be shouted from the housetops. Now let's get back to the question. We've run a few rabbits. <clears throat> How do I get to the place where I can have a shelter in the storm? I want to share some things with you. I believe that the desire of every individual is to live a quite peaceful life. You know what, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd have me a house back in Cannon County somewhere on the backside of the longest holler I could find. So that when I looked out down the road about a mile, I could see an automobile that's turned off the main road, I, I'd be back so I'd be quiet and peaceful. And I believe everybody deep down has the desire to live a quiet, peaceful life. I'd like to live in a place where uh, I didn't uh, have to pay a light bill. I didn't have to uh, take pills in the morning and in the evening and I didn't have to get sick and... And uh, I didn't have to worry about uh, the weather. I, I just like to live in a place like that where I'm just comfortable. I'm going to one day. But, but right now, that's impossible. I'm not going to find a place like that. You're not going to find a place like that on this earth. But that's, I believe that's the deep down desire of the hearts of most, if not all, human beings. But I want to share something with you this morning that I believe will help you to live as close to that as you can. The first thing is, I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means I'm going to go home this afternoon, our Lord will it, and I'm going to get in my recliner and I'm going to rear back and cross my legs and I'm going to take me a nap. And I'll sleep good. And I won't worry about my soul because I know that when I close my eyes to take that nap, if I never open them again, I've got a home in heaven. That's what he said, being justified by faith. That's peace with God. Amen. I mean, that's the first thing. I don't know how people go to sleep and not knowing if I don't wake up, I might wind up in hell. I don't know how people get up in the morning and and get in an automobile as many accidents as they are upon the highway and drive down the highway and say if i were to have a wreck and die i'd wind up in hell i don't see how you can do that but i want you to know according to the first verse of chapter five i am justified by faith we have that peace with god and then i want you to, i want to carry you just a little bit farther over into philippians chapter four in Philippians chapter 4 and uh, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And listen to verse 7. And the peace of God. See, Paul spoke to Romans said the peace with God. Here in Philippians, the peace of God which passes all understanding. I'll keep your hearts and minds through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Hey, if we could really get there, we'd put the psychiatrists and all the philosophers and everything else out of business. He said, if you'll get to the place where you've got the peace of God, that is, God's in control of everything. And God's going to do what's best for me. He may not do what I like, but he's going to do what's best for me. And I can go through life understanding that when troubles and trials and turmoils and disappointments come my way, it's going to be all right because God is in control. That's peace of God. And so this morning, you can have peace with God and then you can have peace of God. And I'll tell you, you can't have the peace of God if you don't have peace with God. But that's available and that's our shelter in the storm. Amen. Amen. And so as I, this morning, as we come close to the conclusion, we find that there's some instruction. I'm looking beyond this life to a richer and a happier way of life. And I'm doing it because, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians one fifteen, I won't turn back there, uh, pardon me, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and uh, 19. I won't turn back there and just share this with you. if I can find it. I know it's in there. I read it before. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19. I hope I'm... If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He said regardless of what you've got in this life, regardless of how easy it is, in this life. If that's all that you have. You're of all men most miserable. I tell you I'm looking for more. Amen? amen. I'm looking for a better place. And a better life. The book of Hebrews is a book of better things. And he talks about that better thing. Now I want you to know this morning. That I've got all that salvation offers. When I came down. And received the Lord Jesus Christ that night. I was immediately saved from the penalty of sin, that is, spending eternity in hell. As I live my life daily and surrender unto him, I'm saved from the power of sin. I don't have to leave today and run out there somewhere and find somebody on the street corner selling a pill and and, uh, pay an outrageous price for it. You know why? Because I'm conqueror over the power of sin. I don't have to run by somebody's package store and get a six-pack because I'm saved from the power of sin. And you can have that too. If you've been saved from the penalty of sin, you can have the the salvation from the power of sin. Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you. And then there's coming a day. Brother Rex was singing that song. I thought, uh, man, I can almost hear the whistle of the boat. He said, when I step on board, I'm leaving behind all my sorrows and cares. There's coming a time we'll be saved from the presence of sin. I want to share with you also a verse of scripture found in 2 Timothy. I promise you I'm, I'm stopping. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. Listen to this. For I know in whom I believe. Who did Paul believed in? The Lord Jesus Christ, the same one I believed in. I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded, that is, I'm fully convinced. I am fully convinced that he, Christ, is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. What have I committed unto him, my soul? He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What day? The day of judgment. I have that same promise Paul had. He wrote to the Corinthians also in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? There's no sting to death for the child of God. I'm not going through death. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. There's no sting there. There's no victory to the grave. There's one day you'll place my body in that old ground and throw the dirt in on top of it, but one day I'm going to burst forth the grave's not going to be able to hold me. And I'll tell you, if you're saved this morning, the grave's not going to be able to hold you either. I ask you this question. Do you believe God? The apostles that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for several years, is recorded in Luke 17, 5, said the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. This morning I say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my ability to believe in you. Faith just simply means believing in God. Lord, increase my faith. I trust that's your prayer as well. We'll leave you with that this morning as we ask the piano player and the song leader to come. Ask you to stand with us if you would, please. I'm going to ask Brother Rex if he'll stand on my left and... Brother uh, Eddie, if you'll come over on my right. These men are here to help you this morning. If you want to get saved and you say, I just don't know how to do it. uh, If you'll come, they'll take the Bible and show you how. If you just want somebody to pray with you, you come to this altar. We'll have somebody out of the ordinance come. They don't have to know what you're praying about. They'll just agree that if what you're asking for is within the will of God, that he grant it. So we invite you to come this morning. We saying Brother Van, what's the number?
1: 278. 278. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Calling today. Calling today, would you call? calling today. Why, from the oh, source of my Rome? If you haven't
0: received Christ, today's the day. Today's the day, your
1: promise.
0: Calling we invite you come. Today, would you come? Invitation
1: to calling
0: you this morning. Would you come? It's for you. A very personal is invitation from the Lord to you.
1: Is Would you come? Would you come? Jesus is calling, calling the weary to rest. Calling today. Calling today. today. Bring him thy burdens, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Oh, listen, calling today, calling today, calling today. What if today. this is your last call? Jesus what if you should go out to stand calling, Him this morning? Are you ready? is tenderly calling today. Jesus, Jesus is, is waiting. Calling. Oh, come to Him now. Waiting Jesus. today today, come with I us and his feet lowly by. I believe I'd come call. and no longer be I believe I'd come this morning, calling While today, he's calling. calling today. <laughs> Jesus is calling, <laughs> is tenderly calling today. One
0: more verse, Brother Vad.
1: Jesus is pleading Oh, the days of John Thorne Come him
0: today How you have Hear him up today to
1: you. Would you come? They who believe on his name we'll Shall wait, it's important. Would you build far Quickly up on it God calling today Calling today <laughs> Calling today Jesus is calling calling Calling. to